Hello and welcome to another episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts and together with my wife Sharia, we have been exploring all the things that make our faith what it is. We're trying to strip away all of those churchy and intellectual words that just don't fit those unnecessarily churchy and intellectual words. And instead, what we're striving for is an authentic Christianity for normal people. We want to have complex discussions in simple ways about important things. So with that in mind, we are on part four of a four-part series looking at divine healing. I've been joined so far by Simon Argent, and I'm pleased to say that he's joining us again today. Simon is the elder at Ascot Life Church in the UK, and he helps to lead the Read Bible course from the Commission family of churches. He's a very good friend of mine, and as always, it's a, a privilege to have him on the show. We've talked in episode one about how healing happens throughout the Bible, not just in the New Testament when Jesus is ministering, but actually throughout the whole Bible. We've seen that it makes sense, logically speaking, based on the scriptures that God would still heal today. And of course, we see it in our experiences. Uh, In episode two, we saw that God will always bring divine healing, but it just might not necessarily be in the present. However, he does pour out overflows of the kingdom of heaven and we get to experience divine healing at times, which is awesome. And in episode three, we talked about our role as believers in divine healing. It's not formulaic, but instead it's actually a bit more nuanced. There's not a single healing formula. There's a whole bunch of things. We talked about the need for faith and compassion and the need to recognize things like elders in this conversation and the demonic component in this conversation as well. There's a whole bunch of things there. So I would really encourage you to jump back to those last three episodes if you get the chance. And uh, with all that in mind, Simon, we want to finish this series talking about a really important aspect of divine healing. And that's what happens if divine healing doesn't come. What happens when God doesn't heal? That's a really tough question, right? And I think maybe a good place to start is, well, have you seen God heal? Have you seen? Have you had any moments when you've seen God heal? Or have you had any moments where you've prayed and God hasn't healed? And what have you done with that? Uh, well, <laughs> to the second question, have I had any moments when I've prayed and God doesn't heal? Certainly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't give you a list, but many. And actually, and I also have seen God heal. Um, and even sometimes, weird as it is to say, I've seen both things happen. Mm. But I mean, I had a friend when I was younger who was dramatically, before I knew him actually, but he was dramatically healed of cancer. And then he found his way to our church and uh, and then the cancer returned uh, maybe a year after I got to know him. And as a church, we we believe for healing. We had prayer meetings. Uh, as we've said in this podcast, we are a church that believes God healed today. We saw healings. So, of course, we pray for him. But what God did for the cancer the first time, he didn't do for the cancer the second time. And he's with Jesus now. And yeah. And so I think that is, this is the the reason, I think, why... Sometimes in my life, I've preferred to not pray for healing and I've preferred to maybe believe less that God can heal because if you truly believe that God will heal, you have to deal with moments like that um, and, and work through them theologically um, as we're, we're going to do today. I'm sure you've had similar experiences. Yeah, I mean, I've been privileged to see God work incredible miracles um you know i share some of those i guess we haven't talked much about testimonies of healing in in this Mm. series but i remember being at a a youth camp and uh there was a guy i knew fairly well 
guy called Nathan and his foot was purple and he came hobbling in to this summer camp and I just got back from Singapore and I was so excited to see healing wherever we went and mm. uh, I gathered some of the youth and we we prayed. We finished praying and he kind of looked down at his foot and he went, I'm healed. I think I'm, I think it's fixed. And he started wiggling it around and stuff and he was on crutches and it's, like I say, his, his foot was purple. Mm. And I, I'll be honest, I wasn't convinced because it was purple. I, you know, I'd expected healing to come and for his foot to be suddenly made completely well again, but he, but he he seemed to be fine, and he was suddenly went from being on crutches and not being able to put any weight on his foot whatsoever to just walking around the place. So later that evening, I was pretty unconvinced, and I wondered if he was faking it. <laughs> if I'm honest, so uh, I snuck up behind faith. him. Yeah, so, well, I just thought, you know, is this actually actually healing, or are you just pretending? Oh, and I would uh, be the same. So I walked yeah. up behind him. Yeah, and I I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, but I I kicked him in the foot because <laughs> I thought I'm, I'm not even kidding I genuinely did this and I thought if he's faking it he's not going to be able to fake being kicked on a bruise like on a on a you know purple foot it's not going to there's no way you can fake that and he just like just shuffled a little bit and looked at me and he said what are you doing <laughs> I mean the bigger question is why was I kicking a 15 year old as, as a youth leader I mean I did afterwards I kind of thought oh, I probably shouldn't have done that but my, my motives were pure it was to try and see if God had really healed and you know, the next morning, the purpleness and the swelling had just like vanished. It was an incredible thing. Well, um, I was blown away. And sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say we talked about Smith Wigglesworth, who um, was a guy with a great yeah. healing ministry last time. Uh, he used to punch people, didn't he? So you should have just said, "Oh, I was just you know trying to get you some more, <laughs> some more." Healing. Yeah, but I mean, he did it to see healing. Yeah. I did it to prove healing. So that's yeah. very different. <laughs> and I, I didn't kick him too hard, just to be clear. But, you know, the thing is, then the point of that story is that God healed him incredibly in, mm-hmm. in, in a way that even went beyond what my faith was. I remember walking with, I, I had a bunch of Chinese roommates in my house in Singapore and none, none of them spoke particularly good English. That's why they were in Singapore. They were, they were there to learn English for the summer. And I decided that I was, I should probably get to know some of these people after a few, a few months of living with them, but because we just didn't talk. And I was, you know, this is some of the, my cultural baggage. I thought they were being really rude to me because they weren't talking to me. And you know, if in England, if you live in a house with a bunch of people and someone new comes, it's your responsibility to make them feel welcome. But it turns out that in Chinese culture, at least my understanding of what they were telling me is that, well, it was my responsibility to go and say hello to them if, as the new guy. And so, yeah, keep a bit of cultural baggage there. Anyway, we went for lunch and he wasn't a Christian. He was telling me that he was into computer science and all that stuff. And kind of through broken English, we kind of established that. And, and we had lunch together. And as we were walking back to the, to the house, he was holding his lip. And it was all swollen. I hadn't noticed this before until he kind of put his hand on it. He had some swelling and, and he was just through his broken English. You could tell that he's in a lot of pain. And uh, it's one of the few times that I've just said, oh, well, can I, can I pray for it? You know, and this could bear in mind that this guy wasn't a Christian. Normally, if I'm going to pray for someone confidently, it's for someone who's a, who's a Christian already yeah. and believes in healing. And so we stood outside our house with cars driving past and I, I put my hand on his shoulder and I prayed for him. And his, his mouth was completely fine. The swelling vanished and he just wow. went right back to normal and he just started crying and uh, right away he right there he kind of gave his life to Jesus and so we went inside and started talking about that and talking about what that, trying to explain what that meant and I phoned the landlady who was a Christian and who spoke Mandarin and so she came over and helped make sure he understood what he was doing but he gave his life to Jesus in that moment and so Amazing. I think healing can be healing can be a really powerful thing right I, again we I've been privileged to see some some 
moments where God heals. But then also some of the people I've loved most in the world, I've prayed for healing and they, they haven't been healed. You know, I've got bad knees. I've had bad knees for the last 10 years. And as much as people pray for me and as much as I pray that God would heal my knees, they're still, I'm still struggling, still have challenges mm. there. And yet I'm seeing other people healed. What I mean, it's, it's hard. And you want to, like I say, one of the people I loved most in the world died of cancer and he was so convinced that he was going to be healed. And those, those stories happen a lot. You know, what mm. about the people who are wheelchair bound and see these stories of healing and think, well, I'm going to be made well, I'm going to be able to walk again and it doesn't happen. Or, uh, you know, oh, I've seen people who are blind, who are made to see, or people who are deaf, who are made to hear. And yet I'm not, I'm not experiencing that. And that. So that could be really tough and, and that can cause us to wrestle with some of those things and say what if yeah. you know what if you can't have kids and uh, that's a real struggle and you know as as a parent now I feel that more intensely than ever before you know that must be so hard and so that, so again I guess that question what do we do if healing doesn't come uh, I, I'd like to maybe follow something proposed by a pastor called Matt Chandler Mm. And he, he says this, he says, in those situations when God doesn't heal, we remember three things. And that, this is what we're going to talk about today. First of all, that God can heal. We remember that he can heal. Secondly, we recognize that God will heal. And even if he doesn't heal in this life, he is still good. So those are the three kind of components of today's discussion that I want to, I want to focus on. Now we've, we've already talked about the fact that God can heal, right? That's, that's the, the purpose of the last three weeks has been to establish that God can heal. You know, we've just talked about some testimonies of, of God healing. It's very easy for us to forget those, those testimonies when God doesn't heal. Uh, but what, what I find is that the more healing we see, the more faith we have when God doesn't heal. But even then, sometimes it tends to seep out. I, I don't know if that's been your experience as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll have bursts in my life when I've seen someone heals and then we'll go and pray for a few people. But uh, my, I think my default position, I think our default human position is to believe that, you know, less of God than, than is really true. Yeah. 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 So God can heal. Right. We're going to we're going to just leave it there. We recognize that that's what the last three episodes have been about. And then God will heal. Again, we've talked about this before as well, that that healing will come, but not necessarily now. And it all has to Mm. do with that uh, atonement, with the atonement that we talked about in episode two of this series. So if if you're not sure what we mean by that, do go back and and check that out. Uh, But but the thing is, that should also give us confidence when healing doesn't come. You know, we, we know that when healing doesn't come instantly as we pray, that healing will come for those who believe in Jesus. So yeah. that those people who are maybe deaf, and those people who are blind, who aren't able to walk, they will be able to walk again. They will be able mm. to see again. They will be able to hear again in this next life. And we can rest in the hope of that promise. So we should be filled with, with hope, even though we recognize that it's hard. You know, we, we're, not gonna, we're not saying, oh, well, it's easy. Get over it because you know, you're going to be, you will be healed at some point. Like that's, that's still a tough pill to swallow, but it should give us some confidence. And um, let's focus really on this last, sorry, go ahead. Well, so I was going to say, I think again, another thing I found helpful here is that even healing in this life is temporary. People often say of Lazarus, he got raised from the dead, but then he died again. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, true. like even healing we experience now, um, will not be as good as the healing that we experience um, in in heaven with Jesus in the new heavens and new earth. So um, we're not missing out on anything. Um, it, yeah. It's just yeah, it's just a small glimpse um, that some of us receive. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I guess a big part of this conversation is God's sovereignty. You know, we've used that word in previous episodes. If you have never heard that word before, feel free to jump back. We did a whole episode talking about God's sovereignty. But what we're saying is that in God's uh, holy position as king of all the universe, he is in control of what is happening. And and he sees this stuff. He sees the beginning and the end. He he knows what is what the future holds for you. And he has good plans for you. In fact, let's talk about this. You know, this third point. So we've said that God can heal, God will heal. And even in this life, he is still good. Romans 8, 28 says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. In his sovereignty, God chooses to work all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. That's a, a good news. Uh, that's a good news. That's that's good news for us. And, you know, there is this truth, again, that we talked about a few weeks ago in the suffering episodes, that God sometimes uses suffering for our good. Mm. And there's a, a quote from uh, Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. It's a very, very good book. It says this, Joseph was an arrogant young man who was hated by his brothers. In their anger at him, they imprisoned him in a pit and then sold him into a life of slavery and misery in Egypt. Doubtless, Joseph prayed to God to help him escape, but no help was forthcoming and into slavery he went. Though he experienced years of bondage and misery, Joseph's character was refined and strengthened by his trials. Eventually, he rose up to become a prime minister of Egypt who saved thousands of lives and even his own family from starvation. Now listen to this. If God had not allowed Joseph's years of suffering, he never would have been such a powerful agent for social justice and spiritual healing. Isn't that powerful? The, The idea that God sometimes uses our suffering for good. You know, sometimes we don't see healing because God is using it for good in some way that perhaps we won't even see in this life. But it's it's important. It's, it might be shaping us. It might be teaching us and growing us and causing us to lean more into God and what his Holy Spirit is teaching us and leading us towards. Simon, mm-hmm. I, get, I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think the Joseph narrative is such a good illustration of that principle of Romans 8.28, that God can work even evil things together for our good and the good of those around us and his glory and mission. I just, mm. I've got a few other verses down here, which I find really helpful on this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is talking to a church that it's very strange, but because of their dishonoring of one another when they take communion, when they take bread and wine, which is a subject I'm sure you've covered at some point in this podcast, because of how they're doing that and not honoring each other as they do that, some of them have fallen sick and are suffering. And so actually their sickness was a result of their sin and God had allowed them to endure some suffering. Um, But then Paul says, when we are judged by the Lord in this way, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 32, he says, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. And so Paul is saying, Mm. God is allowing you to suffer this sickness, um, but not in a malicious way. It's actually because of his love for you, because he does not want you to fall even deeper into this sin that you've got yourself entangled with. We might think that suffering is the worst thing that could ever happen to us, but the Bible says there's something much worse, and that's that we fall away from Jesus. And so Paul Mm. says, God is allowing you to to go through this for your good so that you will not be condemned with the world, Paul says. And then uh, another one which I found incredibly helpful, actually found quite helpful during the pandemic, not because of any uh, physical sickness I was going through, but just because of some tough things that I felt I was going through. I I read this verse in Hebrews 12. It says, 
You've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons and daughters. It says, my son, don't take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he punishes every son that he receives. So he says, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what father is there? Uh, for, sorry, for what son is there that a father does not discipline? And again, as we said in previous episodes, this isn't to say that suffering is always a result of God's discipline of you for certain sin. Jesus makes that very clear in John 9. But I think that we have to say it could be. And even if it's not, God can use suffering to shape us and grow us and that we can take heart in those things because we know that he does it not as an enemy, but as a father who will discipline us for our growth and for our good. That is just an amplification of what what you said there. But I just think that is such a helpful point for us to grasp and sort of hold on to when we're in the mystery of suffering. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. And, you know, Hebrews, I think I think it's even Hebrews 12 as well, talks about running this race like yeah. a marathon. And, you know, a marathon, the funny thing about marathon is it's not, it's not always easy. You know, <laughs> I'm <laughs> talking about thing. strengthening yeah. your knees and so on. And I think you might not be running a marathon when you're sick, right, necessarily. But, you know, there, there's challenge. Some, this life is not necessarily going to be easy, but God will bring healing. Healing will come. It just might not be in this life like we've talked about already. Uh, there's this difficult reality. I love this quote. It says, there is a difficult reality that sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. I love that quote. There's a reality that sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. In other words, to, to bring the, uh, the best good for people, to bring the best good for an individual, for, a, for a people. He sometimes allows things that he hates in order to show love in the, the long, long term. I think it's really helpful in the time that we have left, we're not going to spend too much time dwelling on this, to ask a few diagnostic questions. You know, if you're suffering and healing hasn't come, here are some helpful questions. First of all, do I really trust that God can heal me? Do I really trust that God can heal me? Secondly, do I really trust that God will heal me? And thirdly, what is God teaching me in light of this pain or suffering either in my life or in someone else's? But let's talk about those. You know, do I really trust that God can heal me? Well, hopefully we've shown you biblically that God can, absolutely can, and he does bring healing today. Hopefully you've heard some testimonies that will give you faith. And if not, ask people for, for testimonies, search for testimonies of healing. Do I really trust that God will heal me? That's an important question, isn't it, Simon? Mm. Yeah. And I guess what we're not saying here is that you, again, need to pass a certain level of faith. But we we did see that actually belief and even asking God to heal and seeing it requires a a belief that he can. And mm. again, that can be incredibly hard, particularly if we have prayed for things and it has not happened. But we don't have to lose heart there because uh, firstly, as we've said, I think three times now in Matthew 17, Jesus says, faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. So it's yeah. not the size of our faith that merits our healing, but it's who our faith is in. We have a, a huge saviour with a huge heart that loves to heal. And even beyond that, we have seen people in the Bible who did not have faith that they would be healed. Uh, one of them being Lazarus, who was dead. Another being, you know, children who were kind of far away when their parent came to ask. They didn't have a clue what was going on. And yet it was the faith of those around them praying that kind of led Jesus to heal them. And so, so yeah, 
I think, yeah, this doesn't have to be a crushing question. And if we make it that, we've gone wrong. It is so helpful for us to draw our hearts to see our father as a good father who gives good gifts again. And that leads us to ask more, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and again, that kind of leads to that next question, which is, yeah, what is God teaching me in light of this pain or suffering, Mm. either in my life or or someone else, recognizing that God is a God who brings good gifts. And although this is challenging, what is God doing here? You know, I I think that's a, it's an important question, recognizing that God might be teaching. We've used this passage a few times in the last kind of three or four months, but in first Peter, it talks about being refined as, as with fire, you know, how gold is kind of melted in a really hot fire and then the the dross kind of rises to the surface and then you scrape it off to to make the gold more pure is this situation being used to help purify me perhaps perhaps is it use is it helping to make me more like jesus yeah maybe and maybe not but maybe maybe the answer is just to be faithful with the life that God has given you. It's not easy. It's not an easy thing to hear, but maybe that's the trajectory for, for our lives, right, Simon? Yeah. Again, those those verses we looked at and the Joseph story give us great hope in face of suffering because we know uh, that it builds character, it builds perseverance, it builds obedience. In fact, I think it's even said of Jesus in Hebrews 5, maybe, that he, through his suffering, learned obedience. And so we can take great hope from those things, knowing that God is working in our suffering. But I guess the the one caution I would sometimes give people is don't spend all your time trying to look for what God's doing. And as if that can shortcut the process, uh, you know, we might think, yeah. you know, oh, God's sent this into my life or God's permitted this because I need to grow in this. Oh, therefore, I'm going to grow in it and then it will go away. <laughs> I think actually... Uh, our role is not to kind of peer into the unknown and see what God is doing here. Joseph had no idea what God was preparing him for when he was in his years of slavery and injustice and prison. He just was faithful to God in those times and took each day step by step. Um, and I think that is what I'd call people to do. Know that God is working in your suffering, but you don't need to know yeah. exactly why. And particularly, I'd say, when someone in your life is in su- in a time of suffering, it is, I don't think, I think it is rare, if ever, that God would permit someone other than the person suffering to see what the reason is. It's not your job to try yeah. and work out what God is doing in their life. It is between them and God. Your role is to be like Job's friends at the beginning of his life when they just sat with him uh, and said nothing, uh, maybe offered a few words of wisdom later when, after that, but just to kind of endure that with them. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So those questions, let's just go through those again. Do I really trust that God can heal me? And that's a good starting point. Do I really trust that God will heal me? That's a totally different question. And what is God teaching me in light of this pain or suffering, either in my life or in someone else's? And uh, we've kind of explained that you have to tread carefully with those, but they're important questions to ask. Two more questions I'd just throw in before we conclude is, how might this painful situation bring glory to God? How how might you be able to glorify God through the situation? And the other question to ask yourself is, what does it look like to live faithfully in this situation? So if you're not experiencing healing, I would ask that question. What does it look like to live faithfully here? doesn't mean it's going to be easy. In fact, very rarely is the walk with God, the Christian walk, an easy journey. But we can ask that question. What does it look like to live mm-hmm. faithfully? Now, before we summarize four weeks worth of uh <laughs> talks on healing. Simon, I wonder if there's anything you want to say before we close. Yeah, 
I think these questions are really helpful. And I'd just make the point, these questions are helpful for us if we are the one who is um, not experiencing healing for something ourselves. Or I say maybe even more if we are someone who is, you know, in a church with someone who's not experiencing healing or have a friend or family member. Our role is to ask, how can I bring glory to God in this situation? Um, How is God Mm -hmm. calling me to serve this person here? Uh, It might, well, as we've said, it will be that God would call you to pray for healing um, because he calls us to do that. However, uh, I think another beautiful thing that something as evil as suffering can bring out is love in a church family. We, uh, as a church, we have a number of people, well, I think every church does, um, of people who some of them have lot, you know, experiences of long-term suffering. And what we can sometimes do with this as Christians, particularly if we're Christians who have big faith for healing, is we can see those people as problems because they they get in the way of our faith that God will heal. Maybe, you know, it's kind of upset us that we've prayed for them and haven't seen it, uh, seen healing. But when uh, a few years ago, I was writing a paper on healing with a friend and we came across this incredible verse in um, Galatians 4, which really helped us think about how we as Christians are to kind of approach those who have maybe been suffering for a long time, prayed for many times and not seen anything. In Galatians 4, Paul talks about how he came to the Galatians with this physical infirmity. And he says, you did not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was a trial for you. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. And that's just such a different way to put it. Um, I think sometimes, uh, as I say, if if we ever see people who are not healed as a as a problem, as a, an inconvenience, then we have got it completely wrong. What the Galatians did for Paul here was so good. They treated him as an angel of God. They saw him as someone for them to serve and care for. Uh, they saw him even, he says, as Christ Jesus himself. Um, and so I'd say these questions, how might this situation how can I bring glory to God in this situation? And how can I live faithfully? Those are really helpful for us to ask, even more so if we are the person supporting someone suffering. Sorry, that was long, Dave, but I, I found that so helpful. That's a, yeah, that's really, really helpful. Thank you for that. I think that passage in Galatians is something we definitely need to come back to. That was Galatians 4, you said, right? Yeah, Galatians four fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good. So, Simon, thank you so much for making the time for the last four episodes. Uh, it's been so great to have you on the show. It's always great. It's always a great excuse for us to, to chat. Yeah. Uh, it just reminds me of our days or stuff together. So yeah, thank you. Really appreciate you making I that appreciate time. appreciate you, mate. It's been fun. Let's conclude. Let's summarize where we've been in the last four episodes. So we said that God heals throughout the Bible and emphasis on the word throughout the Bible, not just in the New Testament. He still heals today. Healing doesn't always come in this life, but sometimes it does in miraculous and crazy ways. And that's very cool. And otherwise we will experience full physical healing in the new heavens and the new earth. And that's something we could be excited for. As believers, there isn't an emphasis. There is not a distinct formula to pray for healing. Faith is important. Yes, but there's much more to it than just faith. Jesus and the apostles healed in a lot of different ways. And I think there's a whole reason for that. I think it's our job to faithfully seek the glory and the grace of God. Our hearts are so much more important than any formulaic actions out there. And that's so important that we we catch that. You might feel disheartened expecting this black and white 
straightforward answer, but I'd encourage you instead of feeling disheartened at this point to feel hopeful. You know, we have a hope in the power of the gospel to bring spiritual and physical healing in the future. It's going to come. We already have that spiritual healing and that physical healing will for sure come. We have a hope that we can't bring healing in our own strength, but because of the outrageous grace of a a good God, we can experience gifts of healing in this life, which is so good. I'm so glad that it doesn't depend on our own strength. We can have hope because although we do have a role to play, healing just doesn't depend on us, which is great. Rather, it rests on the God of all creation who is with us, who is dwelling in us, who is for us, who loves us and has a plan for it and a purpose for us. And that is really good news. Now, as we finish this episode, you might have some testimonies of divine healing and we'd love to hear those. Again, you can email simplefaithpodcast at gmail.com or get in touch with us on social media in some way. We'd love to hear those testimonies. Or maybe you started this series completely unconvinced by the idea of divine healing. And maybe, just maybe, we've nudged you a little bit into a new direction. And if so, that's great. If it's been helpful, if it's even just caused you to think more broadly about some presuppositions you might have had, then that's a wonderful thing. We'd love to hear from you again. And these podcasts are great, but they're very much one-way conversations. We'd love to hear your voice as well. So do uh, either leave a review or contact us, message us, let us know what you think, because we put a lot of work into these and sometimes they just kind of float out into the ether and we don't know ever what what is going on. And so if you have any thoughts or comments, send them our way. Uh, But that's it for this week. Next week, we're going to start a dive into the history of the church. Have you ever wondered how our church came to be what it is or how our thousands of denominations came to be the way that they are? We are going to spend about five or six weeks diving into the history of the church. How did the church get from Jesus ascending to be at the right hand of the Father to what it is now? So next week, we're going to focus on a summary. So we're going to look at the whole 2000 years of history in one long go. And then we're going to spend a few weeks digging into individual periods as we uh, rush through church history. So I hope you'll find that helpful. Otherwise, that's it from me this week. Have an amazing rest of the day and wonderful week. And we will speak to you very soon. Bye. Bye.